Are you ready to take your message, your business, and your life to the next level? Want to learn from someone with more than a decade of experience, training tens of thousands of people from all around the world? Hi, Cliff. This is Pauline from Auckland, New Zealand. John from Calgary, Alberta. Amy Porterfield. Michael Hyatt. Dan here from Dunedin, New Zealand. Ray Edwards. Mark Mason. Mike Stelzner. Pat from Smart Passive Income. It's Darren from Melbourne, Australia. Now is the time to live the life of your dreams and do the work you feel most called to do in the world. Welcome to the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Here's your host, Cliff Ravenscraft. Welcome back, my friend. I am super delighted to have you here listening to this particular episode because it's a topic that I didn't realize how important it was for me to share with the world until it naturally flowed out of a conversation that I had on Clubhouse just about two days ago, I think it was. It might have been three. I was in a private Clubhouse room with my dear friends, Bethany and Lubna. What happened was my friend was experiencing a little bit of overwhelm with the number of insights that were coming. And it's like, oh my gosh, there, so I with this, I should do this, and, and I, it's like there's just so many things to do, but also that I have all these other commitments and, and all this other stuff, and I'm having a difficult time, and what I really heard and what really resonated with me is I was hearing something around the feeling of I'm having a hard time to just sitting and being, just sitting and clearing my mind of all of this stuff. It just seems to be that there's a lot of things to do. So I want to ask you this. Have you ever been overwhelmed by how much you quote unquote have to do? Have you found yourself simply thinking, you know what? I just don't have enough time to get everything done. Now, I know that you've thought this before. We all have. I suffered from this overwhelm most of my adult life. And I'm not saying that I'm completely done suffering from this one myself. We'll see. It's been a while since I've struggled with it, but I'm not saying that I've mastered everything. But what I want to share with you is something that has been incredibly powerful for me over the years, especially these last few years. I have had a number of clients over the years who have paid me thousands of dollars and said, Cliff, will you teach me? Will you show me all of your organizational methods for to-do list management, time management. How do you do this? How Can you show me your workflows that you've created? Can you show me your templates? Can you show me this and all that other stuff? And I got to tell you, I, I'm an organizational freak. I love those things. There was a time when I would move from one software tool to another software tool to manage all my to-do lists. And I kind of geek out on that stuff. I kind of like it. In fact, one of my favorite things to do is to manage lists of things to do (laughs) far more than actually doing any of the things on those lists. I don't know if this resonates with you at all, but I've had a perfect system for managing my to-do tasks. It's all going great. I'll spend two or three days getting it set up in a brand new software solution. And I'm so excited about how organized everything is that I seem to get more done over the next, let's just say, one week than I had in the past four or five months all combined put together. But then I get bored with it. It's like, okay, the novelty has worn off and I find myself using that little, oh, let's postpone that to this date. Let's move that to over here. 
And before I know it, I'm back to where I was before I moved to that new software solution. And of course, I will allow myself to feel a little bit of guilt, a little bit of shame, a little bit of anxiety, a little bit of overwhelm until one day I finally say enough is enough. I have dropped far too many balls. (laughs) Something has to happen. And of course, what do I do? I'm like, well, I know what I'll do. I'll spend the next two and a half days doing nothing on any of these lists and I will find a better tool. (laughs) I will find a better software solution. I will create it and do it with all these new bells and whistles. I love the color scheme of this software. Oh my gosh, did you see the little animation when I click the little checkbox? Oh, I love that. That's going to motivate me. Ooh, I love the gamification of this one. I know I'm speaking some of you guys' language. I Trust me, I, I, I've been there. I've been there, done it many, many times. And you know what? There are a lot of people who say, Cliff, t- teach me your newest software solution. And And I got to tell you, some people are just not really interested in my latest software solution because it's not software. It's actually physical pen and paper. Hey, you want to see my to-do list today? It's right here. It's on this eight and a half by 11 notepad or it's it's, here. It's it's on a post-it note. And I go into these primitive methods of creating to-do lists, but I've never gone the David Allen route. And some of you don't even know who David Allen is. And that's okay, trust me. Although you may want to check him out. He's David Allen. Um, I can't even remember the name of his big book, but everybody, they, it's like he started a, a movement. <laughs> a getting, I, actually, I do know the name of the book now. It, it, it's getting things done. It was the GTD movement. How many of you are recovering today from GTD? I've, I've had lots of people say, Cliff, I, I need help. I am so, oh my gosh, if you only saw the tree and the branches and the branches and the sub-branches of those branches, I am so overwhelmed. I have, it was great the first three or four or six months that I did it, but now, oh my gosh, I've never had such a complete list of every single thing that's ever crossed my brain documented in one place, and I got to tell you, I feel like a prisoner. I haven't been there. I have not ever implemented or even attempted to implement the GTD method from David Allen. I want to make an important distinction here. I am not against that. If that is something that works for the way that you are wired, I think that's awesome. I love it. And if it works for you for long periods of times, maybe even years or decades, and it helps you create the next whatever it is that you're creating in the world, and because there are so many things that you have to manage and, and all this stuff, I think that's wonderful. But what I want to create this podcast episode for, what I'm communicating this message for, the, the audience that I'm looking for is the audience that has moved from one to-do list management, software solution, or method, whether it's software or not, because I I, got to tell you, some of my favorite ways to manage things is just creating lists written on pieces of paper. And sometimes I get frustrated by the fact that I just created this list and, and I've put it in a specific order. And then all of a sudden it's like, well, it'd be really nice if I could drag and drop the third item up to the second item and have the second item drop down to third position. And I'm going to admit to you, sometimes I will rip that piece of paper right out of that notepad and I will rewrite the entire darn list. 
Come on, can I get an amen? <laughs> You've been there. I know you have. Eventually, I'll, I'll get tired of rewriting things and being the perfectionist and all this stuff, and I'll just, fine, I'll go back to a software tool. I'm creating this for you if you are the type of person who consistently has found yourself overwhelmed by how many things that are on your to-do list and you find yourself sinking into some lower vibrational, lower frequency levels of consciousness such as shame, guilt, fear, anxiety, worry about all the things that are not getting done. I'm sick and tired of having a list, whether it's on paper or software. I'm sick of and tired of lists showing me how much I'm not doing. What these lists I found for me were never doing was telling me what was going right. It's just a little check or a little click of a mouse button or a tap of, of the screen on my iPad or iPhone. It's like, wow, I just accomplished that. Bleep. Wow, that was, that was the same level of joy and ex- enthusiasm as take out the trash. <laughs> but but it, it, it just, it's just like, okay, well, what's the next thing on my list? Well, maybe the next thing on my list is to sit back and just be for a while. Well, I can't do that. Well, why can't I do that, Cliff? Well, Cliff, the reason why you can't do that is because, well, look, there are at least 15 other things on your list to do today. Oh, okay. You're right. I will not be today. I will just continue to do. To do or not to do? (laughs) That is the question. Where is all this coming from? Where is all this going? I am free-flowing. I do have an outline because what happened is I came up with this incredible flow of consciousness that I shared with my, actually two friends that were with me that day on Clubhouse and it wasn't recorded and I'm like, oh my gosh, I wish this was recorded. One of the things that came up and I just asked this, I said, have you ever heard of or have you ever made use of something called a to-be list? Now, the interesting thing is, is I've never heard of a to-be list. But in that moment, I was prompted from within, intuition, said, bring this up, Cliff, share what you've been doing over the last several years, because what has been my experience over the last several years is I don't make any use of any to-do list regularly at all. In fact, I do remember when I first moved over to the Notion software that I'm currently using now, I did create a document called Project Management clearly wanted to avoid using the language to-do list or task list. It's no, here are some projects. I wanted to create that more than anything is just a place to dump things that come across my mind that might be worthy of my time, effort, and energy at some point. And I will put them in in various different lists. It's like, that's fine. And, and I'm still a proponent of doing that. In fact, sometimes I'll do it in Notion. Sometimes I'll do it in my day one journaling app. Sometimes I'll do it on pieces of paper. In fact, I've got tons of, I've got lots of lists all over the place. But I don't actually consider any of them as something that I need to pay any attention to. And that's different for me. I'm like, when did this happen? And there are seasons of my life, and this has been a part of my life for over a decade. I'm very familiar. There are seasons when I'm like, I'm all in on the to-do list management. 
And then there are seasons and have been long periods of seasons where I get so sick and tired of moving things forward, moving things forward, moving things forward. I just stop looking at the list. If you only knew how many different software solutions that are archived that if I were to log in today that have hundreds, if not thousands of tasks that have never been done. Although it would be fun sometimes if I were to go in and look at some of those lists and see how many things did get done without me ever consciously going back and looking at the lists. One thing that has occurred to me as I'm thinking about this right here, right now, is how many things, when I move from one system of tracking tasks to another system, how many things instantly come to the forefront of prioritization of of things that I want to accomplish without me even going back to the old system to see what was there and carrying it forward to the new system. Sometimes I said, okay, well, I'm going to go into a new to-do management software and and I'm not going to look at the last system that I used six months ago because if I haven't looked at that list in six months, I haven't done that list in the past six months and my life is pretty good, (laughs) then maybe those things on that list aren't that important. And if they are, I will trust that they will come up again. So these are just some things that I've thought about as I have gone from leapfrogging from one system to another system. But the interesting thing is that for the last three and a half years, I have not actually ever woken up and looked at a to-do list. That is odd. And I wasn't even consciously aware of this. But one of the things that became important for me is to realize that I've never, ever, ever wanted to have a to-do list that I had to serve. If I'm going to have a to-do list, and again, I'm not opposed to having a to-do list, but I always had this mindset, this philosophy, this list is meant to serve me. This software solution, this piece of paper with all of these checkboxed items that I want to accomplish, this list is here to serve me. If at any point in time I ever feel like I have to serve this list, I want to resolve that issue. I want to resolve it a number of different ways. And one of the ways that I would resolve it is just ignore it. (laughs) And a lot of people have come to me over the years and says, Cliff, can you help me learn how to overcome my procrastination? And I've talked about this in several episodes previously of the Cliff Ravenscraft show. I'm I'm not actually, I'm not opposed to procrastination. In fact, I kind of practice the art of, and I call it the art, the art of procrastination on purpose. And my thing is, is that, man, if I've got something that's on my to-do list for today and I don't do it and I move it to tomorrow or a few days from now and then it comes up again, hey, here's this item that I have previously pushed off. It's due today. (laughs) I'm supposed to do this today. And if I get to the place where, okay, I've got, I've got time, I'm sitting here, and it's time for me to sit down and focus on doing this thing, but I don't feel like doing it, 
then I'm like, okay, well, let me push this off again. When You know what? The last time I did this, I pushed it one day forward. Today, I'm going to push it three days forward. And then that comes and it's like, you know what? I'm not going to do that. And this weekend, I've got some things going on. You know what? Maybe if I do this on a weekend, it'll be better. And so I push it off an entire week and a half later. And what I like to do is I like to ask myself, wow, if I have effectively procrastinated, if you want to call it that, or pushed it off, or delayed the doing of this task, my question is, just how important is that task anyway? All of a sudden, what I'm finding is that this thing seems to be continually showing up on my list and on my radar of things that somewhere, somehow, I think this is important, but it's not important enough that I get out of bed in the morning and say, I can't wait to go do that thing. And don't get me wrong, I know that there are some things that just have to be done, but I don't know. I've never really ever found that there's anything that has to be done, that must be done. I can't recall anything in my life that had to be done that was absolutely essential that I didn't do. I could argue and and say, well, there have been some things, Cliff, that had to be done and you did get them done, but you didn't get them done by the deadline. And I'm like, well, who made that deadline? The fact is, is I'm still alive today. I mean, and there may have been even some temporary consequences to not having it done by the deadline. Overall, looking back and let's let's find something seven or eight years ago. Okay, maybe I felt some pain from not getting that thing done, but that pain wasn't so unbearable that that it made a lasting impression in my life. In fact, now that I'm so far removed from it, I do recall the pain. I can almost reconnect to the feeling of the pain, but it's almost laughable at this point. I can't believe I got so upset about the fact that I was a, was late on delivering that thing. So what I like about procrastination is I see procrastination as a great teacher. If there's anything, to-do list management and this overwhelm from to-do lists and, and all this other stuff, I, I see it as a great opportunity for me to learn about the wiring of my belief systems. So that's one way that to-do lists actually do serve me well. But if there's ever a time when I'm starting to get overwhelmed and have anxiety about how much there is to do, then I have to question the value of a system that ties me to the memory of endless thoughts. Because really, in essence, that's what to-do lists are. They're a memory log of a lot of thoughts. And I can't begin to tell you the number of thoughts that have occurred to me in the past that in the moment I thought, this is urgent, this is important, this must be accomplished, this must be done by this date. At the time, I believed it. But looking back at some of those old archives lists, it's almost a joke that I thought that those things were important or essential. And so every now and then, I would just start over with a clean slate or just go months without a to-do list. So the the first big phrase that I want to share is I believe that to-do lists are meant to serve me if I'm going to make use of them. And I never want to be in a place where I feel that I am there each day to serve a list of things to do. I will probably, from time to time, commit to some projects in the future where it would be very valuable for me to pick up 
some of my old skills in managing time and some of my solutions for managing tasks. And so I, I want to just state here, I'm not saying that I'm done with to-do lists forever. Another quote that I want to share with you that has had an incredible amount and a profound impact in my life is this, this statement. Most people are over-obligated and under-committed. Most people are over-obligated and under-committed. And the question, when I heard that phrase, I let it sit, it immediately hit me like a punch to the gut. I'm like, whoa, that landed. That landed heavily inside of me. And intuitively, I instantly knew what it meant. But I allowed it to simmer in my conscious awareness for the next several days, weeks, and months. And I began to ask myself, what does it mean to be obligated? And what's the difference between obligation and commitment? I'm not going to tell you that I went and looked up the definition in the dictionary for obligation and the definition in the dictionary for commitment. And many times when I'm pondering things such as this, I will go and do just that. I will go look up the actual definitions of these words. But these words, I didn't feel inspired to do that. Instead, I just came up with my own meanings from my own context of experience, my intuition. And for me, I think of defining these words in this way, especially in the context of this statement, most people are over-obligated and under-committed. When I think of commitment, I think of that's something that is a full-body yes. This is something that I am committed to. This is something that I want to do. A commitment is something that I desire to do. A commitment is something that I can easily see right now in this moment. This is something that is important. This is essential to me. This is something that is worthy of my time, effort, and energy. This is something that is a whole body yes, and I'm excited to do this thing. That for me is commitment. It is a full body yes. An obligation is something that when I wake up in the morning and I look at it, I would actually in my mind or in conversation with another person when they ask, Cliff, what are you going to do today? And I was like, well, I have to do this and then I have to do that. And oh my gosh, I, I, I really need to get that done today. <sighs> you know what I'm saying? That's an obligation. When I start using language like I have to instead of I get to, when I wake up in the morning, a commitment versus an obligation is when I wake up in the morning, I realize, wait a second, my alarm hasn't gone off yet. I set my alarm for 5 a.m. What time is it? And I look at my clock on the side of the bed and, I, and it's like, oh, it's 4.55. Let me get out of bed because I know what I, I'm going to do today. And I go and do it. See, now when I know that, I, I am fully committed. That's for me, that's what it means to be fully committed to something. Gosh, I'm a, I got a five-minute head start on this thing that I'm excited about doing today. That's a commitment. But when I have the same situation and I know that today on my to-do list is this thing and I set my alarm for five o'clock, I wake up and it's 4.55 in the morning and I'm like, "Ah, I've got to get up in five minutes. 
I don't want to get up in five minutes. In fact, now that I'm here, let me just take my clock, which is my clock app on my phone, and I'm going to turn off the five o'clock alarm and I'm going to move it to six o'clock. I'm going to give myself an extra hour to sleep. Next thing I know, it's six o'clock and the alarm goes off and I'm like, hit snooze, you know, 6.09. I'll get up at 6.09. Have you ever done that? Well, if you're doing that, for me, this is a hint that there's some obligations on my list today. This may not be relevant to you, but when I think about most people are over-obligated and under-committed, this is how I've known that to show up in my life. And I realize that, wow, I am wasting away a lot of my life avoiding obligations. There are some things that are on my list of obligations today that were at one point commitments. There was a time when I made the commitment to do what I now consider to be an obligation. There was a time when I it was a commitment. It didn't feel like an obligation. It felt like something that was important and urgent and an alignment. What sometimes my to-do lists don't take into account is the fact that I evolve on a pretty consistent basis. It seems that each day I have radical new clarification about my identity, my mission, and my purpose, who I am. Who am I? Why am I here? I tend to ask myself that question a lot. And the answer is consistently shifting. I consistently am getting greater and greater clarity about what I desire to create in this world. Over time, I become aware, actually, it seems like every day, sometimes it's every week, but very frequently, I become aware of all of these things that I think are important And it's not because I consciously one day chose that those things are important, but I become aware of the fact that I think this is important because, gosh, it's been hammered into my head from the time that I was a kid that this is what I should believe is important. This is what I should believe is responsible. This is what I I should believe is essential. As I go through that and I ask myself, is that true? I find that the answer is no, well, gosh, I've made all these commitments based upon those previous things I believed, and I no longer believe them today, and this, for me, is how I discovered how commitments can easily become obligations. When I think about this, like, wow, how can I eliminate some of these obligations? Actually, how can I, (laughs) I, I went really radical. How can I eliminate every obligation from my life? And I'm not going to tell you about my process of how I went about doing that. I just want to pose that question for you. You might want to journal this. Use that as a journal prompt if it sounds interesting to you. How can I eliminate every obligation in my life? And just see what comes up for you. I did that quite often, and I found myself peeling away all of those things. I found myself no longer moving things forward on the to-do list but instead deleting them, shooting an email to the person that I had originally committed to, this is what we were going to do together, this is what we were going to say, and I'm saying, hey, some things have shifted for me, and while I was once excited about this project, I no longer am, 
I think I'm going to bow out. I want to hand it all over to you. Take it and run with it. Do with it what you will. But I'm no longer committed to this. And then, whoo, I instantly became like a hundred pounds lighter. It's like, whoa, a weight has just been lifted from my soul. That thing that had been on that list just wasn't meant to be there. It was somebody else's belief system and structure, and it wasn't what I intentionally chose for myself. Don't get me wrong. I'm the one who made the commitment, and at the time, with who I believed I was and why I believed I was here, at that moment, that seemed like the right commitment to make. But as I evolved in my understanding of who I am and why I'm here, and I realized that's no longer true for me, I do not like the feeling of the weight of this thing that I once committed to that now seems to be such a heavy obligation that weighs me down. And so I want to release it. There are a couple of books, by the way, that I want to share with you that also had an incredible, profound impact in my life. The first book that I will mention is called The One Thing by Gary Keller, and I think he had a co-author, Jay Papazan. The One Thing is not a book that I remember off the top of my head what most of the book was about. All I remember is the key essence of the one question that is the most powerful question I think I was confronted with at the time. And I'm going to tell you what that question is. And I didn't even go to look it up in my research for this episode. You can go buy the book, The One Thing by Gary Keller. Or I told my friend that I was originally having this conversation with. You could go and do a YouTube search and do The One Thing, Gary Keller, book review on YouTube, you'll find a ton of people giving you a five-minute or 10-minute overview of what this book is. It's all you need. You could probably read the book in an afternoon. I know I read it in a weekend, and if I can read it in a weekend, you could probably read it in an afternoon. But here's the only thing that I remember from reading this book nearly a decade ago or whenever it came out, and that is this question. What is one thing that I can do right now that will make everything else on my list of things to do infinitely easier or altogether unnecessary? That was That's really the question it teaches you to ask. What is the one thing that I can do or focus on right now or today that will make everything else in my life or on my to-do list infinitely easier or altogether unnecessary? And I began to implement that. Matter of fact, at the time, I was still using to-do lists. For a season of life, I'm going to commit to creating a to-do list where my to-do list for today is not allowed to have more than three items plus any additional scheduled calls. That was the standard that I set for myself. So I would wake up in the morning and I would say, based upon all of the things, the commitments I've made and all of the things that I've got going on in my life, first and foremost, before I look to see who I'm even scheduled to talk with today on my calendar, you know, where I've agreed to be at a specific place at a specific time with a specific person or group of people. I want to think about my to-do list for today 
And I want to essentially say I'm only committed to doing one thing. So what is the one thing that I could do today that would make everything else in my life infinitely easier or all the other things that have been committed to altogether unnecessary? Sometimes that one thing would be just one of those scheduled calls for the day. And I'd say, okay, great, I'm going to have that scheduled call today. And if this one thing is the only thing I do today, and I die in my sleep tonight, I will have lived a good life today. That would have been worthy of my time, effort, and energy today. Then I would say, okay, if by some chance I accomplish that one thing and any other scheduled calls that I've committed myself to on my calendar today. If by chance there's additional time, effort, and energy left over, is there one or two other things that I could focus on that would make everything else that I'm excited about in this world infinitely easier or altogether unnecessary? If so, I'll put them down in a list of additional priority knowing that I'm only committed to doing one thing today. That's how I began to live my life. And so my to-do list, which was incredibly complex and arguably sometimes out of control, although I felt like it was a very awesome control. I was an organizational freak, like I said. But the reality is is that my to-do list became very simple. The second book that I want to mention, and I read this right at the same time, probably the same month that I read The One Thing by Gary Keller, I read a book called Essentialism by Greg McCowan. The subtitle, by the way, is The Disciplined Pursuit of Less. I remember almost nothing that I read in that book. I can't remember a single statement, a single catchphrase or anything other than the title itself essentialism. And I began to ask myself, if I'm actually looking at a thing that's on my list that I'm going to put my time, effort, and energy to, I began to ask myself, is this essential? Then I have to ask myself, well, what does that word mean? I'm going to admit to you, I've never once looked up the word essential in the dictionary. I seem to have a good contextual understanding of that word just through my experience of life. But then I began to ask myself intuitively, what does that word mean to me? How would Cliff Ravenscraft today define the word essential? Something that is of your essence or the essence of. The essence of. So when I think about this, when I think about that question, who am I? Why am I here? What is my essence? What is my makeup? What is of my essence? Is this in full alignment with my identity and my purpose? That for me is whether something is essential. If what I'm looking at on my list is in alignment with my essence, If what I'm looking at on my list is in alignment with what I today believe about who I am and why I'm here on this earth and what I currently am excited about creating on this planet, then that is essential. As I said, 
what I've learned through this process is my understanding of my essence is evolving. I have in my earliest implementation of some of these shifts and changes away from the to-do list. When I was still using the to-do list, I would actually ask myself, is this essential? Is this of my essence? And what I found is that I would write down the one thing that was the one thing that I would be fully committed to today. Full body, yes. That one thing that, yeah, if if I set my alarm for five o'clock and I wake up at 4.20 a.m., dude, feet on the floor by 4.21 and I'm ready to go get started. That's my one thing that is essential. If It's so tied to my essence that it pulls me magnetically out of my bed. That's what I want is one thing that does that. And then I might ask myself, well, if there's time, effort, and energy left over, is there one or two other things that I I might even consider today? But then after I have that list of the one and then potentially a second or third item, I then look at my calendar and I say, hmm, are there any scheduled calls? Is there anything on my calendar where there is a commitment or obligation for me to be at a specific place at a specific time with a specific person or group of people? And some days there are scheduled commitments. And again, if it is a scheduled commitment and it's still today a scheduled commitment, then I put it on my list of things. This is something I'm still going to do. I have a lot of integrity for showing up and living in alignment with what I said I would do. However, there are sometimes somebody will reach out to me and say, hey, Cliff, can you and I do this? And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm going to say yes to that. That feels like a whole, yes, I'm fully committed to this. And this has happened from time to time where somebody schedules something and I'm like, yes, how about next Tuesday? And they say, great, next Tuesday is wonderful. And let's just say that's the first Tuesday in June. A couple of days before that, I look at my email and I get this little notification that says rescheduled notification. And it says so-and-so has rescheduled this appointment. There may be a notification as to why. And oftentimes, I don't know why this happens, but some people choose to just reschedule things on your calendar without giving you any notification as to why they did that. But they do it. Okay, this was originally scheduled on the first Tuesday in June, but now so-and-so has automatically used your software tool for calendar scheduling to reschedule that, and now it's the third week in July. Well, if all of a sudden I get to the third week in July, and I look at my week, and I'm like, hmm, you know what? That feels like an obligation right now. If it actually happened in the first Tuesday in June or whatever that was, I think that would have been exciting, but... That was Cliff Ravenscraft a month ago. (laughs) I'm a different guy today. I've learned some things. I've evolved in what I've learned about who I am, what's important to me, about what I want to create. And now I have what was once a commitment and I'm looking at what's coming up this third week in July. That seems like an obligation to me. And it does not seem essential. It's no longer in alignment with my essence. Not to say that I've evolved and I'm more important than what this person is creating, but wow, that just isn't as important to me today as it was when I first said yes to it. And sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's just like, hey, I'd love to do this. And they're like, great, let's plan this out for nine weeks from now. And and, and I just know now, as, as like, listen, 
I will certainly commit to scheduling that with you for nine weeks from now, but I just want to let you know if something comes up between now and then that becomes more important or essential for me, I may need to cancel. I don't typically like to book things out this far in advance. I will commit to booking it this far in advance for you here and now, but if the fact that I may actually cancel in the future becomes an issue for you, let me know now and my feelings won't be hurt. I just don't like making commitments that far in advance. I've just learned this because this has been my experience of life. I don't like to be obligated to things that were once exciting for me, but today are no longer exciting. And of course, there are some things like, you know, being a speaker at a conference or something like that where it would be a pain in the butt for them. And if I do believe that is something that is still going to be essential for me then and and it becomes an issue, there, there are occasions when I actually do something that has become an obligation. It's like, listen, I said I was going to do this. I do not want to inconvenience that person. I'm going to allow myself to fulfill this obligation that's a different language than, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to finally have this opportunity nine weeks later or nine months later. I remember how excited I was. I am so excited that I finally get to fulfill this commitment that I made. So do you see the difference in language? But it goes back to this statement. It's not that I want to completely avoid ever having an obligation. There are some things that I do today that are still obligations. But the question is, is has there been a shift in my life from where I live into the category of most people are over-obligated and under-committed? And what I can tell you right now is today that the answer is no, I don't fit into that category. I'm not saying that I never have obligations. I'm not saying there's never anything that I have that I'm not excited about doing. I'm just saying it, it doesn't happen to the point where I'm ever overwhelmed anymore. It just is what it is. And I'm like, okay, I, I will learn from this. I will see if I can use what I've discovered in my evolution here, and, and, and I will reconsider even more carefully future commitments that are made this far in advance. But I do want to live into my values, and sometimes it's my value that actually makes it something essential, and I'll get into that in just a moment. A third book, I said there were three books that really radically transformed my mind related to all of this stuff. It's a book that I haven't read, <laughs> but I want to tell you all about it. One of my friends told me about this book. It's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. At least I believe that that's the title. And I looked it up and I'm like, I found a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And it says how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive in the chaos of the modern world by John Mark Comer. I have no idea if this is the book that I actually read because I do remember buying this book on Audible. I remember listening to the introduction and I think I got halfway into the first chapter and I loved it. It resonated with me on such an incredibly deep level. I don't know about you, but I have great neuroassociation links to sound audio and to specific places where I was. I, matter of fact, I remember listening to that after I had gotten out of the shower. I was getting dressed in our closet. I remember being in the bathroom, flossing, brushing my teeth, fixing my hair, just getting dressed for the day, and then going down into the kitchen and making breakfast. I, I remember where I was when I was, when I was listening to that audio. But 
for whatever reason, when I looked at looked up the ruthless elimination of hurry in Amazon, it says I don't own that book in any format. And normally it says you've purchased this book on such and such date. And I will tell you, I do have the habit of taking books that I start on Audible, but if I haven't finished and picked it up in more than six or eight months or whatever, Audible has this thing that you can do is you can go in and return books. And I'm like, listen, if I ever want to listen to this, the rest of this book, if it becomes important to me, I'll, I'll rebuy the book at that time, but I can get my credits back. And there's a little tip for you if you didn't know that. Anyway, I think it was this book, but it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. And I really don't need to go back and read this book, but what it really did help me is I, I think about the word hurry and the ruthless elimination of overwhelm, the ruthless elimination of over-obligation, the ruthless elimination of anything that's non-essential. I got as much as I think I need to get out of that book unless one day I feel prompted to go read it and maybe I'll get another insight or two out of it. But just the title of the book alone and just the introduction just spoke enough to me that says, Cliff, I want you to get rid of, I want you to ruthlessly delete everything from your life that is not of your essence. And when I began to do that, I began to delete products and services. I began to delete commitments and obligations to groups and participation in projects. I began to delete my own projects. And all of a sudden, I had very few products and services left over. Matter of fact, for the last three and a half years, there's really only... Since the pandemic, there's really been only two things you could pay me money for. Actually, three things that you could pay me money for. One is my one-on-one coaching. The second one is my Next Level Mastermind, paid mastermind group. And then I do have this thing called the Train With Cliff audio program, which you almost never hear me talk about over at trainwithcliff.com. It's only $10 a month. Those are really the only three things. I'm like, okay, those are my commitments and everything else I say no to. I think about this. It's like, wow, I can manage all three of those things just on my Google Calendar. I can actually schedule those one-on-one calls, those one-on-one coaching calls. Those are scheduled commitments. I have scheduled every week for my mastermind groups. And then I can even schedule my podcast episodes for the Train With Cliff audio program over at trainwithcliff.com, by the way. I don't need a to-do list. I am so under-obligated and I am so fully committed to those three things that my life has become infinitely easier. In my business, what is the one product that I could focus on that would make everything in my business infinitely easier, far more profitable, and make everything else altogether unnecessary? Well, that would be my paid mastermind group. Boom, yes, done. If there was a second thing and I was outside of that commitment, is there anything else that would be worthy of my time, effort, and energy that I might want to? Yeah, I would do some one-on-one coaching. I really love to have encouraging conversations with other human beings. Boom. Okay, I'll commit to that. All right, is there anything else? You know what? I really love creating content. I think I'm going to do this audio journal, share some behind-the-scenes stuff, trainwithcliff.com. By the way, you can find that at trainwithcliff.com. Anyway, Let me go ahead and say yes to that. And then how about this? I will say no to every other thing, every other thought that comes into my mind that I could do as a product or service. And I'll just focus on these. And I've been doing that for the last three and a half years. And wow, 
It's been incredible. It's been amazing. And I've never had more margin in my life. And what I realized is something else was happening. It happened in 2019. I wanted to create my goals for 2020. I want to read to you. I'm going to give you the original list of goals for 2020. It says here, goal number one, fully committed to experiencing peace, love, joy, and abundance on a daily basis, regardless of any external forces or circumstances. Do you want to know something that's unique about that? If I think about that as on a list, that's not something to do. That's something for me to be. I don't do peace. I don't do love. I don't do joy. I don't do abundance. I am peace. I am love. I am joy. I am abundance. I am these things on a daily basis. I am these things regardless of any external force or any external circumstance. This is who I am. This is who I be. This is not what I do. This is who I am. My next one was fully committed to knowing and trusting my creator in a more intimate way. This was my goal for 2020. And if I think about that, that's not something, there aren't things that you do to do that. It's that it's what you be. It's what I was. I, I am trusting in my creator. I am connecting with my creator in a more intimate way. This is something that I am. There aren't things that, are, that I have to do to make that happen. It's just being that. The next one was fully committed to expressing more love and care to my wife and kids above the way that I show up for my closest friends, my current clients, my potential clients, and my community members. You see, I had an issue prior to 2019. I was committed to expressing love and care to my wife and kids, but I will tell you, and they would have told you, more so my kids than my wife, but there are many times that I showed up more powerfully for my closest friends, my current paid clients, somebody that I thought might become a paid client, and even just members of this community that listen to me and my content and show up to some of my community environments. There were often times back then that who I was and how I was being in the world, I was showing up more powerfully for those people than for my kids. And I'll give you a perfect example of this just in case you think you've never experienced it before. I could be in the middle of recording this podcast episode right here, right now, live on Clubhouse, and if all of a sudden my phone started to ring and the caller ID said Michael Hyatt, Dude, I'm gonna I'm gonna say, hey guys, hold on! Oh my gosh, and and then I'm gonna say, hey Michael, it's Cliff. I, you know, hey, I'm in the middle of recording, but it's no big deal. If if you want, is, what's going on? Is there anything you need to chat about? If you need me to, I can I can end this clubhouse room. Blah blah blah. I, you know, if it was Michael Hyatt or one of my closest friends, I'm gonna do that. And it pains me to say that this is who I used to be. But back when I made this goal. 
there would be a time when I would be sitting here on Clubhouse. My phone is clearly in Do Not Disturb, which means that the only way your phone call is going to come through is that you've dialed a second time, which would have been the same case for Michael Hyatt just a moment ago. But then I'm sitting here during this room. I'm in Do Not Disturb. And then it says, it's one of your three children. And I see their caller ID. And then I am like, hey, guys, hold on. That's weird because my phone's not in, in Do Not Disturb. I don't know what's going on here. Let me just check to make sure this is emergency. And I'm like, hey, and then it's one of my kids and I see them on FaceTime and they're like, hey, dad, what's up? They're super excited, right? They clearly got something they want to tell me. I said, hey, is there some sort of an emergency or anything? No, I just wanted to really talk to you real quick and tell you something. It's like, hey, I'm in the middle of a live podcast right now. That's why my phone was not in do not disturb. Do do you mind if I finish this and call you back? Do you see the difference And see, I didn't like that about myself. I didn't like that I was being that way. I didn't like that that is who I was. So one of my goals for 2020, I'm fully committed to expressing more love and care to my wife and kids above and beyond my closest friends. You'll notice that the top ones were to be. They they weren't things that, like goals that I needed to accomplish, like I need to do a bunch of tasks and and stuff like that. It just started to say, I want to shift my values in my life of what I focus on and what I prioritize in my life in such a way that I'm more focused on who I am versus what I do. I want to focus more time, more effort, more energy. I want to focus more of my day on who I am in this world over what I do in this world. At one point, I think it was in 2021, I I did the date with destiny with Tony Robbins. It was incredibly powerful, and he had this one exercise that talked about our core values, our moving towards values, our moving away's values, and I radically shifted and re-identified a lot of my values, and what I came away with is my list of values, and some of these came from those goals. So today, like I said, for the last three and a half years, I have not lived my life by any to-do list. Now, over the last three and a half years, have I created a couple of lists here and there? Yes. Have I ever woken up and used any of those as a guideline as to how I'm going to live out my life that day? Not one single day. Every day of my life is focused on who I am and how I will be that day versus what I do that day. And what I end up doing that day will be an outgrowth of who I've chosen to be. And so this is where I began to, and I didn't have this language before then, but this is where I realized that, wow, somewhere in this process, I have made a massive shift in my life where I've moved away from designing my day with a to-do list And I allow every day to be pretty much designed about my to-be list. And my to-be list doesn't shift that often. Now, when I say doesn't shift that often, I told you earlier, 
I'm constantly evolving. I'm constantly growing. I'm constantly unlearning some of the values I've picked up along the way that I think are essential and of my essence where I realize, well, wait a second. No, that's just what a lot of people have been teaching me to believe about myself. And so sometimes my to-be list will change. But what I wanna share with you now, and I'll wrap with this, is what my current to-be list is. It's never been named this. I never had this language prior to this conversation I had with my friends a couple days ago on Clubhouse. But here, I just have it. It's called my highest values. Matter of fact, I'm gonna change it, putting in my day one journal now. My to-be list. There we go. It's now officially my to-be list. All right, here is item number one on Cliff's to-be list. Conscious awareness of my identity as a divine spiritual being having a human experience while still experiencing eternal union slash oneness with my creator. I want to show up as a human. I want to show up as Cliff Ravenscraft. I want to fully embrace who I came to be on this earth, and I want to accomplish and do out of the abundance. Never do I want to do things out of lack, because I don't believe in lack anymore. I don't think that lack exists. So today, I want to consciously create and do things as a human, known as Cliff Ravenscraft, Out of the overwhelming sense of purpose and abundance in my life, I want to fully embrace all of my humanity while never losing any conscious awareness of my full divinity as well. I want to be that every day. I want to be every day consciously aware of my divine spiritual union with my Father in heaven, my creator, the source of all things, and I want to be fully divine, and I want to never lose that conscious awareness. Now, do I actually end up experiencing that every single moment of every single day of my life? I'm not there yet, (laughs) but it is my to-be list, and it's something that I am increasingly well, some days in some seasons, I'm, I'm doing really, really well. Uh, and, and usually when I think that I'm doing really, really well, it, 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 we're not going to go into Check out my Encouraging Others Through Christ podcast for some of that stuff. You can find that over at encouragingotherstroughchrist.com. Anyway, but that's my first item on my to-be list. My second item on my to-be list. Intuition. Intuitive intelligence. Inner knowing. Now, what does this mean? That means if I want to know something, before I go out and look for the advice, the wisdom, the knowledge, the opinions of any other person on this planet, I'm going to first go within and see what I already believe internally, outside of what I've been taught, conditioned to believe all of this stuff, I trust that I have this divine union with my creator who is knowing of all things and he speaks to me or I don't believe that God has a gender, but I I use that language still. I believe that I have this divine union with my creator, the intuitive Christ intelligence of all that is and I go there to seek insight that's I go in and I tap into that intelligence, that knowing, that intuition. 
So that's that's who I'm being in this world. So I do that, and that's why sometimes I, I, I will still after once I've come up with that, I'll go and compare that to with what the dictionary says that essential means, and with what the dictionary says an obligation is, and all this other stuff. But oftentimes, once I've gone internally to seek the answers that I'm looking for. I no longer have any desire to go and find those other things. And oftentimes it's like, no, Cliff, that's not what that means. Cliff, let me show you where the dictionary says what it really means. And it's different than what, that's wonderful for you. But I got to tell you, do you see that the way that I'm showing up, is it causing you issues? Because how I'm showing up in the world, I'm showing up because of this inner knowing. And I'm not so concerned about the fact that other people's dictionaries and definitions aren't in complete congruence with what I've defined these words as, as my own inner knowing. And that can be an issue for a lot of people, but that's okay. My third item on my to-be list, peace, love, joy, and abundance from within, regardless of any external circumstances. All right, the next one on my to-be list, alignment with my true identity and chosen purpose in all that I think, say, and do. The next item on my list, gratitude for all that has been, that is now, and for what is to come. And I genuinely mean that. My desire, my on my to-be list is that I want to have gratitude for what has been yesterday and all days before, for what is right now and what will happen today, and for whatever is going to come in the future, even if my conditioned mind wants to say that, oh, that's painful, that's disturbing, that's undesirable and all this. It's like, no, I, I'm going to find a way to express my gratitude because I know that my creator never allows anything in this universe to ever happen that is not ultimately going to work out for my and everyone else's benefit. I am going to express gratitude. That's that I'm committed to being that every day. The next one on my to-be list, health, spiritually, mentally, physically. The next thing on my to-be list, I'm going to learn Actually, more importantly, what, I, what I'm going to do is I'm going to do a lot of unlearning. <laughs> I'm going to unlearn all this preconditioned stuff that I picked up throughout my lifetime. And I want to grow. I want to spiritually, personally, and professionally grow through the learning slash unlearning process. As I do that, the next item on my to-be list is contribution. I want to share my experiences with others. I want to teach and educate. I want to coach and mentor. That is who I want to be. That is what I am. I am a teacher, an educator. I am a coach. I am a mentor. I am these things. That is who I am. Now, when I think about contributing out there, here's my priority my prioritization for contribution, I first contribute to me, myself. That's the first person I contribute to is me. The second person that I'm committed to contributing to is my wife. The third priority, my family and my friends. The fourth is my clients and students. The fifth 
priority is my community, community of people who follow me, listen to my content, show up in my community environments. And then sixth, the public at large. This would be my neighbors in my neighborhood, my city, my town, my state, my country, my the world at large of all humanity. And then get this, my to-be list. I love this because this used to be the number one thing on my values was financial certainty. Today, my to-be list is absolutely rock bottom at the bottom of my to-be list. Financial stewardship, it's still important to me. I want to be a great financial steward of my income. I want to be a great financial steward of my money management, of the money that I currently have control over. I want to be a great financial steward of savings when I feel prompted and led to save. I want to be a great financial steward of my investments when I feel prompted and guided to invest. That, my friends, is my to-be list. And I read another book. It's called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. If you've not read The Four Agreements, go read this book. It's incredible. Anyway, there are four agreements that he shared, and I also have added these to my list. I want to be impeccable with my word. I never want to take anything personally. I never want to jump to assumptions or conclusions, and in everything I do, I'm committed to doing my best. That, my friends, is my to-be list. And if every day I wake up, And I ask, who am I and how am I going to be today? That will always give me the clarity of exactly what's essential for me to do today. I have made the ruthless elimination of obligations in my life. I have made a ruthless elimination of the unessential. And because of that, I no longer need big fancy to-do lists. I'm not speaking against to-do lists. I can understand and appreciate how maybe one day I may find a commitment to a project and a big thing that I want to accomplish and create in this world, not because I feel like I lack anything and it will give me something that I don't already have full access to, but out of the abundance of my desire of what I want to create next, I can see how all of my experience, my skills, my areas of expertise, of organizational methodology and to-do list management might serve me at some point in the future. But key emphasis on that phrase, that might serve me. If this has been beneficial to you, and you would like to tap into just some of this kind of way of thinking about life, this way of thinking about being in the world. If you'd like to rediscover who your true identity in this world is, and you'd like to rediscover your real purpose, if you'd like to get to the place where you wake up in the morning and you literally wake up five minutes before your alarm every day, and you jump out of the, your feet are on the floor, eager to start your day, before 60 seconds has passed, if you would like to begin to eliminate all of the obligations, if you'd like to be more fully committed to the things that you do, and if you'd like to get to the place where you could do things that you're doing, not because you feel like they're going to make you more happy, they're going to help you feel less anxiety and fear and worry and doubt, 
if you would like to move along this process, I've been helping clients, well, for quite some time doing this. I'm willing to share with you even at a greater level, whether that's personally, one-on-one through my coaching, or if you are a business owner or you're starting a business and you wanna be full-time self-employed within the next 12 to 18 months, I have the Next Level Mastermind where you can meet with me every single week and a group of other people who are committed to doing life like this. Head over to cliffravenscraft.com or mindsetanswerman.com, either one, they'll take you to the same place. Click the work with me tab and either fill out an application for my one-on-one coaching or apply for the Next Level Mastermind. Either way, you're gonna end up in a one-on-one conversation with me and we'll take it from there. Until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Mindset and